0: Welcome to the NCLA podcast. I am your host, Rachel Mann, and today's guest is the president and CEO of Great Oaks Career Campuses, Harry Snyder. We're going to be discussing CTE in a changing world, which is so relevant in the times that we're living in. So thank you for joining me today, Harry. I'm
1: excited to be here, Rachel.
0: Well, to start off, can you share with our listeners some information about your background and how you got involved in CTE and your leadership journey that led you to where you're at now?
1: Would love to. So Rachel, uh, uh, Great Oaks is in Southwest Ohio. uh, For reference, Cincinnati, Ohio. We surround Cincinnati and we touch uh, 36 partnering school districts. We're one of the largest career tech centers in the state of Ohio. And one in the country, so we cover about 2,100 square miles. I got involved, and the reason that's important is because I was raised in this district, and I got involved in career tech probably earlier than I realized it. I grew up in a family hardware business, and early on in my life, my uh, dad. I saw a bicycle I wanted, and he said, "Come up, I'll help you help you out." And I went up to the store, and he handed me a broom and started paying me $15 an hour, and. In that, I started to work around, I was the uh, helper. And so if a uh, plumber uh, was on a project, they would take me along, to will go run, get them parts and, and learn about a little bit about plumbing. I learned about heating, ventilation, air conditioning. I learned about electrical. I learned about remodeling and framing. So we did a little bit of everything in that hardware business. And so that was my early introduction, unbeknownst to me, what we now call experiential learning or career technical education uh went to college thought i'd always stay in um, the hardware business and uh, my father took a different journey and sold the business while i was at college i was waiting tables and bartending and and so went to work for a local uh entity called bob evans a bob evans restaurant <laughs> and became a general manager and a corporate trainer uh, worked for them for 10 years and we opened up a uh, Mexican thing called Cantina del Rio. So, got to learn about the corporate life and moves and, and all those things. Had started a family, and, and my wife and I uh, decided we wanted to keep our roots in Southwest Ohio. So, I applied for a position at Great Oaks, and uh, that position was turned out to be a one year grant to work with an entity uh, in our region called Airborne Express. Um, which was a package delivery, much like a Federal Express or uh, UPS or FedEx and UPS. Um, They did sorting. So they had aircraft come into Wilmington, Ohio, where our Laurel Oaks campus is, and then um, sort overnight and take off. So I worked in a three-county region and we moved about 1,500 people off welfare. It was a pre-welfare reform back in 1996. Uh, The grant got renewed twice. Uh, the reason that's important is I got to know that region of our of our district up in the, what we call the rural area of our district, um, and and during that time I got to uh, be the adult supervisor for our aviation maintenance program. That not only those students would graduate and go into uh, ABX or, or what is now called AIMS, Airborne Maintenance Engineering Services, but it taught me a lot about uh, our part-time programming. Our um secondary programming and the different um, affiliations we had with those partnering school districts in that area and they came back to me and asked me um, told me about a position about an economic development position in highland county which was again part of our district and i looked at the time cliff michael uh, who was our soon to be superintendent and said cliff i have no idea what an economic development person does and he said well send you to training. So I went to Oklahoma University Economic Development Institute and got my certificate in economic development. Again, that's important because at that time, a lot of our partnering schools were going through renovations and building new buildings. And so I was the county liaison working with a lot of our partnering districts on building their new buildings. Uh, That went on for five years. Uh, My predecessor, Bob Scarborough, um was ending his career Uh, they brought me back down to the cincinnati area and i took over as director of adult education so i skipped over some things i finished out my um i got a management degree from the university of cincinnati so i finished my vocational education masters from wright state to get that certificate i got my superintendent certificate as well as principal certificates, all the different educational certificates you needed. So when the opportunity presented itself and uh, Dr. Robin White decided to retire eight years ago, can't believe it's been eight years, uh, I threw my hat into the um, discussion. And I like telling that story because uh, we have a 35 member board and the search committee consisted of nine of our board members and the one board member that was facilitating the search um, had us come in and he would introduce us and i walked into the room and um he introduced ken introduced me to the uh, eight board members that were sitting there and they all stood up and said we know harry he helped us build his school our schools so that was my uh, uh journey through that process and uh was able to get through the interview process and and, and and become superintendent again um eight years ago. Can't believe it's that how time flies when you're doing this. So that introduction to career tech education. And in the meantime, I guess I should refer, I got involved in this organization called ACTE um, as a uh, PACE VP. I headed up our state legislative liaison i i I set up national not only national policy seminar trips to the washington dc but also our legislative seminars here at the state of ohio so i was very comfortable working with legislators at both the the local state and national level so um, that's intertwined in all this advancement and opportunities that great oaks provided me And I just fell in love with career tech education. And it really goes back to one of our first events when we helped people move from cash assistance to a a job out at Airborne, we would meet them at 10 o'clock at night. Um, We would make sure they were dressed appropriately because they would usually be working outside in the elements and this is um, Ohio has nice hot summers and cold winters lots of snow so we would work them through that and then we would work through any barriers they might have if it was childcare, transportation and then skill level development whether it's how to read uh, simply adult basic literacy was part of our program as well as skill training in how to how to use computers again back in 96 it's a little bit different now today but 96 was a Microsoft was just starting to get started. email was just new. But we would help these individuals learn those new technologies and um, become um, able to live on their own. And that was exciting to me. So I I immediately saw the impact Career Technical Education could have on our students and the impact it would have not just on their lives, but their families' lives, and also to our communities and, and to the region. And that's what I love about career technical education.
0: Well, Harry, we've known each other for several years now, and it's fascinating to hear your journey and to hear how what started out as trying to raise some personal money turned into a lifelong passion and career path for CTE that's impacted so many people. And anytime I hear someone ask for an exemplar of a CTE center or school I always hear Great Oaks, so you definitely have created a <laughs> national representation.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, we, we love what we do. Uh, we steal a lot of ideas. What I've loved about NCLA, I remember my first in, NCLA, it was out to Oregon. And um, you thought we thought everybody did career technical education like we did in Ohio, so I quickly learned um, how other schools were introducing career technical education to their states and to their regions. And through that, um, again, I'll go back, back to early late nineties. And that's when it information technology was really just starting to take hold as far as using it as a, uh, leverage in it to use, to train, but also to use, to connect. And, um, that was exciting for me. And then I, uh, the other NCLA I, I remember that affects us still today was the uh, Shady Hook uh, incident. And we went to Massachusetts back in 2012. Can't believe it's been 10 years ago. But that safety and how, how we rearrange schools. So now as superintendent, we are continually looking at how we upgrade our buildings and the lessons we learned from that incident into our buildings and then also our programming so we we provide a lot of public safety service training to uh, our communities in southwest ohio through our police academy and our fire academies Um, and that's been a a fun uh, journey to be a part of
0: Well, and I think that's actually, that is the conference that you and I met at. That was my second time going to a best practices conference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what the beauty of NCLA is. Um, I I tell my associates, we send uh, a lot of people to those conferences because it helps us, uh, gives us a reality check. Are we doing things well? Could we do it better? Are we thinking outside the box? Um, We love to accept people to come here to Great Oaks to walk through. We're open to their ideas. You know, why are you doing it this way? Have you ever thought about doing it that way? And I think that's what makes us all better as a community, um, leveraging our own ideas against those of others. And I think NCLA makes that happen.
0: Absolutely, and I and I will be visiting next August when I'm in Cincinnati. So uh, we'll we'll be planning a couple of extra days for that. Um, But Harry, can you? Oh, thank you. And can you share an innovative practice that is taking place in your school district that others may be able to replicate in their context?
1: Uh, Well, um, I reflect. This is the end of COVID, uh, or we're trending down towards the end of COVID, and 18 months ago. March of um, 2020. Um, We learned a lot about our organizations, um, some of our challenges that we face, but one of the outstanding things we did was in our public safety services. So we were the only um, career center, i.e. any uh, program in the state of Ohio that continued on with our police academy and our fire academy. This was through our adult programming. And through that process, um, we leveraged uh, our facilities because they're they're big. We could spread people out. It allowed us to do that. But during that time, we had other entities in the state come down and see what, what we were doing. Um, we were building a new uh, fire tower, a new burn building, about a $1.5 million investment. And through that, uh, we got to open the eyes to some of our state officials to rethink how they deliver um, public safety services instead of a centralized location as a regional so we became one of the regional training um, facilities and we're excited about that in fact our local uh, state troopers are here today uh, taking a second class that they've done that so again just being on the edge uh, keeping our facilities updated and our gun range updated um, helped us realize that That's not as innovative as it is adapting to what um, COVID did to us as a community and as an educational experience. Innovatively, uh, we've entered in with the uh, local community college. We offered our aviation program up at our Royal campus, um, the Federal Aviation Administration uh, power plant and airframe. With the general certificates, it's three certificates. So we expanded that program over to our um, west side of our district with a joint venture with Sensei State. Um, they own an airport out there. They run some adult aviation programs. And so we were able to tie in our secondary program to that. Again, it's working with local uh, community colleges and universities to see how can we provide that seamless pathway to help our students on their educational journey. Uh, Something innovative that we started about uh, 24 months ago was a program with the University of Cincinnati and our IT program that not only touches our four campuses, but also our satellite programming. And that is if we can get a a student started and receive an IT certificate, whether that's an HTML, um, uh, Microsoft, whatever that certificate is, our university will help them fast track their application process so that they automatically have a seat in their IT programs. So that's been over the last uh, 18 months, we've seen um, those numbers grow into the hundreds of our students if they wish to continue an IT pathway with our local university to bypass the regular application process we find that to be kind of exciting and innovative and it helps not only with the shortages in our region but it helps that student uh, find a way to pay for that college because if they have those entry level certificates a company usually will hire them and then also help assist them in their uh, college costs so we're excited about that those are
0: well, and I, I'm impressed about that, how much you and your staff have accomplished in a time that was a very difficult time, but that's just exciting to see how, how CTE really came to the table and found solutions and found ways to be innovative.
1: That's what I love about my job. It's, it's um, identifying a problem and how can we overcome that problem. Um, as you know, uh, the healthcare industry was really rocked by the COVID and, and um, there's shortages in our hospitals and our nursing homes. And that's another program that we just uh, are revamping in our health tech program. So we have a secondary, a high school licensed practical nurse program um, that we used to limit the entry into that program, uh, the best of the best um we did some revamping and now instead of making it a smaller funnel into that program we made it a broader funnel so that we can introduce more students to that pathway and if they're not on pace to continue in the licensed practical nurse we can continue them on to become a a state-tested nurse assistant or a patient care assistant or a phlebotomist or a um Um, optical technician, whatever that program is. So we kind of reversed the flow of those programs so that we we can get more in those necessary um, requirements that our state um, boards require and make that happen. I, I think that makes sense, Rachel. You can ask me for clarity.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. And it's it's exciting just to see how much of an impact you're having, not only on students and offering these extensions on programs that are so needed, um, but just how it's impacting the community and the partnerships that you're creating. And I'm curious, who has made the biggest influence on your life personally and why?
1: Um, specifically my father, I guess, my uh, dad, my um who's passed, uh, just passed a couple of years ago, 91 years old, had a great life, um, grew up in a family hardware business, uh, sat my brother and I down and said, you know, you don't have to do this the rest of your life and, um, had an opportunity to get involved in, uh, local, uh, politics, state politics. And I saw him and my mother transition to that and him embrace a new journey, uh, without regret. And, um, Was it sad to lose our family hardware of course but it also broadened my um, opportunities to think outside the box i always tell people if you would ask me uh, 30 40 years ago if i've been in education and i'd be standing here as a a school superintendent i'd say what are you talking about Um, education when i was going through high school was easy uh i went through college because that's what my parents wanted me to do and it was probably 10 years after i was out of college and working for bob evans that i realized uh, how many opportunities uh, education provides and then really got serious um, about my second journey in life as i call it third or fourth journey i guess if you really look at my timeline Um, and i think that was a big part of it my parents were there in support and um, understanding of uh, that change in one's life. And so I would say both really my, my father, but my mother, just as much um, great parents.
0: Well, that, that is wonderful. And we, we spoke a little bit about past NCLA conferences. Do you have a favorite conference that you've attended or a favorite memory from one of those events?
1: I think um, uh, the Shady uh, Shady Hook was probably one of the most memorable, um, in the sense that um, during that tragedy, and we got to hear from one of the parents, it really made an impact on how we look at our facilities. Uh, I just told you we just um, are finishing finishing renovating our Laurel Oaks campus up in Wilmington, and our Live Oaks we just started. We are addressing many of those issues that came up back in 2012. On It was easy to lock down our doors, but we we're rethinking on how, how people flow through our buildings and how, how to make those more secure and safe. Because as we know, um, students uh, want to be safe. They want to feel like they're safe. And our communities want our buildings safe. So that was probably one of the ones that had a lasting impact on me. Um, I will tell you uh, I think of the one up in Bangor Maine when we went up there we had a, a great opportunity to see a different part of the, the country that's what I always like about Ncla I think last year you all were in Austin so we've got I've gone from Oregon to Austin to Maine to Florida to Oklahoma um, we just it's that opportunity to see different parts of the country uh, Arizona uh, West Max. yes um, because of an NCLA event, I went back mm-hmm. with our architect, who happens to also work for the Cincinnati Reds, and he was out there for the uh, spring training. So I met him out there, and we walked through all of uh, Westmex uh, campuses. And ironically, if you went to our Laurel Oaks campus or our Live Oaks campus, you could see some of those lessons learned
0: nice. <laughs> at West Mac's
1: that we brought back to, uh, to include in our design again uh, what a great opportunity to see uh, what different entities are doing cutting edge uh, delivery of that and i think that's a good example of how uh, ncla provided that uh, broadening of my understanding of what what was possible out there is that a good way to say it Rachel?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I agree 100%. We truly get better together when we're able to see what's happening and to learn from each other. And I I think about being taught in Northern Virginia for years and thinking, like you said earlier, that you feel like all of CT programs are the same and then moving to Arizona and finding out that nothing's the same. And then (laughs) through, through organizations like NCLA and ACTE, getting to see so much of what's out there and being able to... Uh, share ideas and best practices so that we really truly are making CTE stronger as a whole. That's correct. Okay, my next question for you, what do you enjoy most about your role? I can tell you're passionate about what you do. What, what is your favorite part of, of being a superintendent?
1: Well, my favorite part is uh, classroom visits. I make about 90 classroom visits just to um, see what our buildings are actually doing seeing how our kids are reacting to the space they are. I've learned a lot about what people tell me is happening and then to actually see if it's working or not. Technology is one of those things where we brought laptops in and everybody said they're great. They, uh, they hold the charge and you find out that students are uh, running extension cords around the room and how do we address that? And so how can I impact that? And working with our uh, building administrators and our um, physical, maintenance people to come up with those solutions and and finding finding ways to break down barriers to better serve our students as well as our community i think that's what i love about my job i love to see the excitement of our students when they discover a new skill and they get to tell me about that new skill and see them put it in action Um, one of my favorite visits is our vet tech program Uh, we work with a local um, Animal shelter, and we do spade and neutering. We have um, veterinarians that come in and, and um, volunteer their time, and our students uh, participate in that surgery. And, and you can just imagine the, the conversation at the at the uh, dining room table at night. Honey, what'd you do at school today? Oh, we. Uh, We spade and our dogs, and I got (laughs) to cut the dog open and and stitch the dog up after we did it. And the mother says, oh, were these fake animals? Oh, no, Mom, they're real. And, you know, (laughs) the kid's eyes are just huge. And so they do the the pre-op, the operation, the post-op, and they're just, that's when you're like, that's experiential learning. That's when that kid, all of a sudden, that student has a life-changing event. And you know that that will carry them for no matter where they go. So that's what I love about my job.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. All right. So what is a project that you've recently embarked upon?
1: Um, one of the things I talked a little bit about the health tech and we're still exploring that. I think the future of education is how do we do personalized learning? We learned a lot over the COVID. When we did remote learning, we were terrible at it. We recognized that. And, um, but what we did learn from it, there are some aspects of, of the educational process that can be done remotely, i.e. through our academics. We also learned that students, uh, um, and it shouldn't have been we learned, we, we probably knew it, but it became more of a, a focal point that students advance at different paces and that those that were working remotely could, could really leapfrog ahead. So our our challenge is now how do we personalize that learning for all of our students moving forward? And that's what we're wrestling with as an organization. Um, really thinking outside the box. How can we provide more co-op, internship, work-based learning activities throughout the year? How can we let them have that happen sooner? Um, we have some students that just love the labs and that experiential, hands-on learning—they wrestle with the academic parts. And if we can get that academics out of the way quicker, um, they could even flourish more in the career tech lab. So I think that's what I'm—I'm ex- I'm excited about that we're working on. That's not going to go away. I think, if anything, what COVID taught us, and my partnering schools, is that a blended learning environment is not going to go away. If anything, we have to wrestle with it and figure out how we can leverage it for the betterment of not just our students, but our organization because it, the implications on our funding and uh, what our buildings look like um, is is being challenged right
0: now. Yeah, and it's, it is exciting to see how there are some good things that have come out of this period of time in history. And speaking of history, we're going the opposite direction. What do you envision for the future of education?
1: Again, I think um, we're gonna be mo- moving down into lower grade with our work-based learning activities. That's been a challenge the state of Ohio's uh, put forth in this last biennium budget. And I think that's gonna be the challenge. How do we help students at an earlier age understand all the different opportunities that they have before them Uh, i was blessed i i was raised in a small town Um, i was raised in a hardware store i got to learn a lot about uh, pipe fittings and and saws and files and uh, technology tvs uh, remodeling so that was my educational place outside of school and so how do we bring more of those experience to the kids that are in school um we still wrestle with some of our partnering districts uh, populations that have never been exposed to opportunities uh, that they can even wrap their minds around um, that they could possibly do someday so how do we expand those um, opportunities for students to think where do they want to be in the future i also think with technology um, things that we haven't seen we started seeing 3d printing uh Morse Technology is a local company that was uh, purchased by General Electric Aviation they did 3D printers and used metal part to make metal parts for aircraft engines really as a experimental to help uh companies to help GE see if they would work in their engines and then when they put them in the engines just out of curiosity they tried them and they found out that the parts were better made than making them from the standard way they used to make them. So there were some eye-opening experiences there that our students were involved in early on in that technology that we can leverage for the future. So I think I think, while the world is getting is bigger, it's also getting smaller and technology helps bring those opportunities together. So how do you leverage technology for the future of education is the challenge we're all gonna face. And some of us are going to figure it out sooner than others. And I hope Great Oaks is a part of that.
0: (laughs) Well, absolutely. And Great Oaks is fortunate to have a visionary like you. And we're fortunate to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for joining us. And to our guests who are listening in, if you would like to be on the podcast, or if you have a topic that you would like for us to address, please email me at info at ncla-cte.org. And thanks again, Harry.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for the opportunity.